0: So this is um, our benefit, or it's for our benefit, part three. And we were in, you don't have to turn there right now, we were in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to read in the Amplified to remind us of what it is we were talking about. So in the Amplified, in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Now the focus was on the latter part of that verse, which was, every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear more fruit. That was the the focus. So, hopefully, you all, it's some of it started to come back to you. And I remember, if you remember, I said, pruning is not pleasant and is painful. You are stopping something from what it wants to do naturally. That's why we, the vine dresser prunes the vine. That's why he prunes the branches. That's why we prune fruit trees. That's why we prune trees. Because it's doing something we don't want it to do. So, we prune it. The point of that is that to shape it into what you want it to become. That's why the vine dresser prunes. You're shaping something that wants to do its own thing, and you're pruning it, you're shaping it into what you want it to be. The vine dresser is shaping the vine and branches into a predetermined image based on a desired outcome. Amen. Amen. We are also in Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. We talked about... Chastening, and uh, the context of that, the meaning of that, um, that word chastening in that context in Hebrews 12, it means tutorage, education or training, disciplinary correction. Every time we think about the word chastening, we always think it's about being punished. Chastening has nothing to do with punishment. Chastening has everything in the meaning, the context of the scriptures, has to do with our training, our teaching, our education, and of course this disciplinary action. It does not necessarily mean you are being punished. It means that you are being schooled. Okay? So we talked about sons. In Hebrews, sons whom he receives. I mean, I read that and those words, those, that little phrase stuck with me. Sons whom he receives. And when we talk about sons, it refers to relationship, and sons endure chastening. Because it says, if you don't endure chastening, you're not a son, you're a bastard. You're illegitimate. But if you endure chastening, you're a son. And if you're a son of God, you are also an heir. Alright? So, sons endure chastening. And the term sons refers to a relationship. Because it says, who the Father loves, He chastens, He tutors, He schools, He corrects. And why does God do it? God does it for our profit, for our benefit. Why? So that we may be partakers of His holiness or His divine nature, a.k.a. for us to be like Christ. That's why we are tutored, schooled, disciplined, trained so that we can be a partaker of His holiness. You understand what I'm saying, okay? Because why is the vine dresser pruning and chastening us? So that we can be like him. Like Christ. So the pruning yields something. And what is that? It yields righteous fruit. From those who are yielded and learned from the experience. If when you are going through stuff you yield to the Word, you yield to the Spirit of God, in that experience, there's something you learn about yourself, and you learn about the Father. Because the only way you learn about yourself and the Father is because you're willing to yield to the Word, and you're willing to yield to the Spirit. That's how you learn. That's how you've been schooled, tutored. Whereas if you're rebellious, rebellious children cannot learn anything. Why? Because they're not open to receive anything because they're not yielded to anything. So when you are yielded, what comes out after the yielding and the experience is righteous fruit is brought forth from your life. Because it says here, the pruning yields what? Something, righteous fruit for those who have been trained by it. I remember the last time I said the only way somebody can say you are trained Is if what they taught you, you can reproduce that. In the same way. Then they say you have been trained. So we have to be willing to be molded. Or willing to be chastened. Willing to be tutored. Willing to be schooled. Because everything we are going through. And what what the Lord has been showing me. Everything I am going through in my life. The good, the bad and the ugly. Is because it is part of my training. I'm not talking about the things that I get myself into. I'm talking about things that He is stirring up my the nest. He's stirring things up in my life because there are things He's trying to, to bring out of me. Because the Holy Spirit has already put everything in us. Because the Bible says what? We have been already given everything we need for life and godliness. We don't have to go get it anywhere. It's in us. So the Holy Spirit will bring it out of us through chastening. Amen. We are also in Hebrews chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8. And what we talked about, Christ learned obedience by the things he suffered. Which matured him. And guess what? We are treated the same way. He's, we, are not, we are not special con, as far as how God deals with his sons. Because Christ was a son of God. And we are in Christ. We are also sons of God. So the pattern has not changed. So if Christ has to learn obedience by the things he suffered, he thinks he had to go through, we are no different. Because when you're willing to be schooled and tutored, when you're willing to yield, you learn obedience through the things you go through. So we are, it's nothing new. And the Bible says, don't, don't think it's strange of the trials you have to go through. Everybody else in the, in the body is going through something. But it is how you, how you look at it. You've been schooled, tutored, to be like Christ. To be, take on the holiness of your Father. To be like Him. To be mature. So Christ learned obedience through the things He suffered. And we are no different. We won't be treated any different. So sons are pruned so that we learn obedience through the things we have to go through. We learn, what is that obedience? We learn how to yield to God. We learn how to yield to the word. We learn how to yield to the spirit. So we learn to say, not my will father, but your will. Because that's the heart of Christ. Remember when Jesus said, father, not my will, but your will. So sons make the choice to submit to the Father's will. Sons make a choice or the choice to submit to the will of the Father. That's how you know you are a son. We are chastened so that we will learn to obey God and not live accordingly or according to the flesh. So that we will know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. We are chastened. I'm going to repeat that. We are chastened so that we learn to obey God and not live according to the flesh. We are chastened so that we don't want to live any old way. So that the branches won't grow however it feels like growing. So that we will learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. That is why, that is what we are learning. Sons learn through chastening to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit and yield to God by that same Spirit. Sons learn how to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. And yield to God by that same Spirit. And this is beautiful here. There is a witness in our spirit, with the Holy Spirit, that we are children or sons of God. Legitimate heirs. When you understand, when you have koinonia with the Father to the Son. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit because He's already there. He bears witness, witness with your spirit that you are a legitimate son of God. Nobody has to tell you that. You know it. You know it. It's stated in Rome in Romans verse chapter eight. You don't have to turn there. We learn. And know that to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. No one has to tell us anymore about not sinning. Did you hear that? When you are a son. When you have koinonia with the father through the son. When you know. And you have a witness in your spirit. That you are a son. Because the spirit bears witness with your spirit. And you cry out. You cannot help but say. Abba father. When you are at that level. You know. You know. That nobody. Has to tell you. Any more about not sinning. Because where is your mind at that time. Your mind is like Christ. Remember what Jesus said. I always do those things that please my Father. When you have the mind of Christ, we want to please the Father. So you, so when, so yeah, you might be tempted with stuff, right? But most of the time, you won't give in. And if you do yield, you quickly repent. Nobody has to tell you don't do this, don't do that, or don't go here, or don't go there. It's already in you because you want to please the Father. That's the Spirit of the, of Christ, the Son in us, crying out to the Father. Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit bearing witness with our Spirit that we are, belong to God. Nobody has to tell you that. You already know it. And that's just recap. So let's go to Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Turn to the book of Romans. We're just going to pick it up there. I'm not going to, we're just going to take our time and read through this. But when you have the heart of a son, you you will look at these scriptures in a totally different light. Okay, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren... It says here, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen to this. When we endure chastening and yield to God, we are truly living sacrifices and partakers of His divine nature. Because we know something about ourselves, who he is and our relationship to him. It is not a burden to yield to him. So when it says here. I beg you therefore brethren. he's begging them. By the mercies of God. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. When you know. Remember I said. When you know. Nobody has to tell you about not sinning. Because you quickly yield to the Word and the Spirit. Because you want to please the Father. And when you're doing that, you're presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Why? Because you're not doing your thing. You're doing things based on God's Word and by the Spirit. So you are being a living sacrifice. Nobody has to beg you to be a living sacrifice. Because you're, you already know you are a son. You identify with, your, with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you know that your Heavenly Father is your Father. And you always want to please Him. So you are always being living and being a living sacrifice. Nobody has to beg you to do it, to be it. Amen. And it says here what? Do not be confirmed, verse 2, by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove something. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? If you know you are a son and you know your relationship with your father, how do you, how do you come to that level? Because you are renewing your mind. You're spending the time in the Word. You're spending the time in meditation, in prayer. You're spending the time in His presence, and it and this happens when because you're consistently renewing your mind. You're consistently doing the things that you need to do in the in the chastening, in the trials, whatever you go through. You learn to yield. And the more and more you yield, the more and more your mind is renewed. And with that it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives? For us to be like a son. So when you are yielded, when you are allowing yourself to be pruned, the fruit of righteousness is born in our lives. And that essence, remember I talk about the essence of our lives is Christ. Amen. So it proves, So, what does it do? It proves something to ourselves because we see a manifestation of the glory of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit bears witness. Yes, this is what the Lord is doing in your life. And why? Because He loves you. Because He's, you, He wants you to be like Him, a partaker of His holiness. You can't you can't teach people this. You got to ex- you could try and explain it, but you got to experience it. You ex- the only way you really know this is through experience. So we know that through the good, the bad, and the ugly, our experiences, if we yield, our experiences bears righteous fruit. The Holy Spirit will teach us. Listen. They are teachers, in the, who, people who teach the word. But the ultimate teacher is the Holy Spirit. Because that word has to come alive in us. You understand what I'm saying? And the only one who can make that word alive is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach us and we must have the courage to submit in our, to submit in the experience. And apply what we have learned. Because when you're going through something, the Holy Spirit is teaching you if you're willing to be taught. And He would lead you or guide you in what you have to do or say. You have to now be walked by faith and do what He tells you to do. So that we are doing the will of the Father, not our will. Because faith without corresponding action is dead. So if you have been guided to do something or you're instructed to do something and you have the courage to do it because it might be contrary to how you think it should be done or how people are telling you how to do it. That requires faith. But if you want to please the Father innately, you are a son, you know what you want to do is to please the Father. So you say, Lord, not my will, I'll do it your way. Because you always want to please the Father. So we know that faith pleases God. When we walk by faith, we are proving the truth about the word of God to ourselves, which benefits us. When we walk by faith, we are proving the truth about the word of God to ourselves. Because who wants to be convinced of this word? We, we have to be convinced. Not, the, not somebody else. And when we are proving it to ourselves, it benefits us. And the glory that comes forth because of our belief. And walking by faith. It bears witness of the truth of the word. So a righteous son is a living sacrifice. Who does the will of the father. Amen. Alright. Let me quickly turn to John. Let's turn to quickly to John chapter 17. And I'll wind this up. John chapter 17 verses 20 to 23. I do not. This is Jesus praying. Jesus is speaking. I do not pray for these only, because he's praying to the Father for the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given, which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. That's it. That's all I'm going to read. Now, if you really meditate on this, it will blow you away. It will blow your socks off. It will really blow you away. What is said here? Jesus is praying for the disciples and those to come who will believe by a by their word. That's us who are here now and those who have come before us. It says here, key that. They may be one. They all may be one. Okay? As you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's the oneness. He, and, he said, I want them to be one as we are one, Father. And, I, and he said also that they may be one in us. So I want them to be one. You and Father and I are one and we all have to be one. That the world may believe that you sent me. So that oneness is to testify of something. That the Father actually sent Jesus. Because nowadays there are people saying Jesus is false. There are some who say Jesus, yes, he was here, he was here, but he wasn't the son of God, he was just a prophet. And then there are some who believe Jesus was the Messiah. And so, and there are some who believe there is no God, period. But does the world really believe? Does the world really believe that the Father sent Jesus? Let's be honest. What's the evidence? What's the, where's the testimony? Uh huh. And it says here, verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. Love them as you have loved me. How is the world going to know that the Father sent Jesus? The world has to see something. Something has to be manifested. We are not doing stuff on purpose to manifest. We have to learn to be sons. We have to learn to yield. And as we do that, the fruit produces itself. Bearing testimony of something. Who? That Christ is alive in us. And if Christ is alive, is alive in us, therefore it's a witness, a testimony that the Father actually sent Him. So it's not only individually that we have to bear fruit, but as corporately. Amen? So, we, the called out one, the ecclesia, will mature in Christ as we are schooled. If you're willing to yield, you'll be schooled, and we will mature, and be like Christ. Number two, We will be one as with each other and one with the Father and the Son. A son already knows he's one with the Father and through the Son. A son already knows it. You don't have to convince somebody who has a witness in their spirit that they're a child of God, that they're one with God. They, they, They don't have to convince them. Okay? So when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, because he also said it right here. He said it in verse 22. There may be one as we are one. What does we are one means. He says, I and the Father are one. So if you are a son, you already know. And it's not wrong to say, I and my Father are one. Because the Jews blas- said Jesus was blaspheming when he says, I and my Father are one. He said, well, you, who are you to make yourself equal with God? But he understood his relationship, his sonship to the Father. He knew he understood that. And if we are sons, if we are, if we are walking in yielding and walking in humility to God's Word, and the Spirit is bearing witness to us with our Spirit that we are sons of God, we can say, we, I and my Father are one. Why? It's nothing we did. It's because we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, we can say, I and my father are one. Why? Because the spirit of Christ in us. It says the spirit of his son in us crying out, Abba Father. Mm-hmm. So if you are a son, you nobody can tell you that Jesus is for they can tell you whatever they want, but you have that witness. You know better. You can't be easily swayed or pushed or or, or or persuaded to go erroneously because you're, you're already past all that trifling stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And the world will believe that the Father truly sent Jesus. I not know we have to be, you know, we make these claims sometimes about us being, oh, I'm a child of God, I'm in Christ. Yeah, there's a bullseye on you. So once you get born again, there's a bullseye. And soon as you start confessing that you are in Christ, the bullseye is, is even brighter on you. That the enemy starts putting people in your path to derail your walk. Because we, the enemy knows we are threatened to his kingdom. Yeah, we are a threat. Especially sons. Sons are, threat, are, are, are imminent threats. Because they know who they are. The, little, the baby Christians, it's easy for him to, to sway them. But sons, sons are different. Sons are a real threat. Because they, they're learning who they are. They know something. Amen. They know something. So we know that we are loved by the Father. And the righteous fruit of our lives glorifies God. Because that's what we, that we may prove something. So what Jesus prayed back, prayed back then will be it will be fulfilled. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. It will be, and revealed at the appointed time. God's word will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. Amen. All right. So if you you know learn, hopefully you learn something in this in this in this uh, series about our be- what God is doing is for our benefit. It is for our benefit, yeah. you know. And in, a lot of times, you know, I was kind of quickened about this. You know, we always say it's not about us. Yes, it is about us, but it's not only about us. Because what God is doing in our lives is for our benefit. Jesus died on the cross for who? For us. So it is about us. But what we have to understand when they say when we say it's not about us, understand. That anything we do of eternal value is not about our, our... We don't have the power. We are dependent on the power of God. We are dependent on Christ. If you understand why Jesus died, He died for us. He didn't die for... for, for, for he died for us. So everything... Why do you think we're going through being tutored and schooled? It's for our benefit. It's for us. God is God. He's perfect. He's trying to bring us up to a level where he said, When we get born again, bring us a place in Christ to be like him. So he's all all this stuff he's doing is for our benefit. Alright, so that we end that series today and I hope you receive something today.